Good morning. So good to see you this morning and uh, good to be here. And I count it a privilege to be here today. Uh, thanks for the invitation, Pastor Terry, uh, to be with you all. And uh, when I see a group like this, I realize just a little bit of what heaven is going to be like. How many of you plan to go there? I know I do. <laughs> Praise God. And so I think that's, you know, the Bible talks about many nations, kindreds, tongues, and people and uh, singing around that throne. And so this is just a little bit of taste of heaven. So I'm excited to be here uh, for that reason. And so thanks for the invitation. And it's always good to be able to worship our God and to worship together as a family, as the big family of God. Uh, that's a blessing to be a part of that family. Uh, Pastor Terry was talking about uh, how old he was um, and uh, being friends with my older brothers and sisters. And uh, I don't know if he knows this story, but I'm going to tell this uh, story. It's, it's a true story, actually. Now, I'm from a family. There are five of us. I happen to be the end of the line. Um, and there are three boys, and there are two girls. Uh, and so they're, they're all older. Now, when I came along, there's quite a little bit of a distance in between uh, some of the ages in the family. So there's a, quite a bit of a distance between me and my, my oldest uh, sister. And uh, there's a little bit of distance between me and my oldest brother and the one right next to me. Uh, there's some distance there. Now, when I came along, they, I don't know how many of you, how many of you have brothers and sisters? Let me see your hands. Okay, good. How many of you are oldest in your family? Let me see your hands. All the oldest in the family. Okay, great, great. You can, you can, you can tell they're the more responsible looking people in the audience today. The oldest ones, the ones, the high achievers, you know. How many of you are the middle child? Let me see the middle child. All right, middle children. Yeah, they seek that attention. They need to get that attention. You can tell. You can tell by the way they raise their hand, too, you know. All right. How many are the baby of the family? Oh, can't you tell the babies of the family? See, right away you can tell, right? Spoiled rotten, they say we are. Spoiled rotten. So that's, I'm in, that, I'm in that category. So, you know, there was a little bit, I think, of resentment when I came along. And so my brothers and sisters would say something like this, mom and dad won't tell you this, but you were not planned. <laughs> now this is true, Terry, this is what they would say. They didn't plan you. Why do you think so many years between? You were not planned. And they would do this all the time. And they, and you know, especially when I'm feeling really good about myself, some achievement I've made, they would say, yeah, yeah, that's all well and good, but did you know you were an accident? <laughs> that's you older, you older siblings. I know you probably did the same thing, or you told your brothers since they were adopted. I know some of you did that, too. You don't even look like Dad. You're like the milkman or the postman, anyway. So they would do this. You are an accident. And that would just really just deflate me every time they would say this to me. And I would, I would say, no, it's not true. That's not true. They'd say, yeah, Mom and Dad won't tell you, but it's true. Accident. <laughs> so finally one day I just had about enough of it and I, and I had to go to my mom and I just had to figure out what was the truth of this matter. And so I burst into the kitchen while she was cooking. I said, Mom, tell me the truth. And she said, oh, baby, what's wrong? Just tell me. <laughs> I can take it. And, and so she said, well, what's happening? She said, and I said, is it true? Was I not planned? Was I an accident? She said, oh, baby, who told you that? 
your kids. She said, oh, well, you just sit right over here. Let me tell you something. And mothers are so wonderful, aren't they? Aren't they wonderful? She said, well, let me tell you something, baby. All of you were accidents. <laughs> we planned none of you, and we regret it to this day. <laughs> true story, true story. It always reminds me, because I'm glad my mother was wrong about that, because I've read in scripture, and the Bible is clear about this, you and I are not accidents. We were created with a purpose. In fact, uh, Paul is, when is writing a letter to the, um, the Christians at Ephesus in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2 and verse 10. He says these words. I've come to really love this text. He says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That Paul is reminding us, he's reminding people of this, this intentional creation, this purpose that, that God has given to each and every one of us, born uh, and shaped uh, as God himself, as our creator, could do so. And we are God's handiwork. If you look in a number of different translations of, of the scripture, you'll see uh, in, in the King James Version, you'll see the word workmanship. You know, it's Old English, King James Version, workmanship. Um, in some, you'll see handiwork. In some, you'll say made in a very special way. But one of the ways, one of the words that I like, though, is when you see the word, uh, it says that we are God's masterpiece. Have you ever seen that in scripture? I love that one. That we are God's masterpiece. And so you didn't know when you saw me today that you were looking at a masterpiece, did you? Huh? Amen. This is the best Mark Woodson you will ever see. <laughs> Created in God's image. But that's what it says, that we are God's masterpiece. In fact, that Greek word there is the word that we get the word poetry from. And what, it, what the scripture is saying, what Paul is saying is that we are God's work of art. Wow. Doesn't that make you feel good? That, that we are God's work of art. And the thing that makes that masterpiece a masterpiece is, is that uniqueness and that, and that, that rareness and the, the valuable nature of that masterpiece. I never forget, I was in the fourth grade. We went to a museum and uh, on a field trip, and there we were looking at all of these different uh, uh, pictures hanging on the wall, these different paintings on the wall. And I saw one that was really, really strange. And, and the lady who was giving us the tour, she was answering questions and asking if we had some questions. And I saw that really strange picture on the wall. And as I looked at that painting, I saw it would look like kind of supposed to be a face of a person, but, but the nose wasn't where it's supposed to be. And the eyes were not where it's supposed to be. And so in my little fourth grade mind, I said, uh, I have a question, who painted that? And she said, oh, that is a really rare painting. And, I, and she said, this painting was by a very famous art, artist. His name is Picasso. And I said, Picasso can't paint. <laughs> she said, oh. Then I said, well, how much is that? She said, oh, you can't put a value on it. It is priceless. And I love that because when you are, when you recognize who you are as a son or daughter of God, you recognize, first of all, the value 
that you have. The unique quality that, that, that God has made us with, that, that diversity, that, that diverse nature that we have, that we're all different, that, we're, that we come in different shapes and sizes and colors and hair and all so many different things. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I look at people, you know, there are no two people exactly alike, even if they're twins. They're not exactly alike. What an awesome God we have to create this variety of different people. We are fearfully, the Bible says in that same Psalm 139, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I want to tell you today, uh, uh, that kind of understanding of God's creation and, and, and the value that is on each person is what has helped people who have my heritage make it in this world. Because somewhere along the line, they were told that, that uh, they were property. They were told, but there were those who, who, who understood something about the awesome nature of God, and they understood that they were made in the Imago Dei, in the image of God, fearfully and wonderfully created. They re realized their valuable nature, and it's what helped them to succeed. And so I'm grateful for this variety. I'm grateful for this diversity. I was reading the other day, um, and I don't know if this is true. Uh, those who are taking medicine or deal with the heart, you would know this. I always knew that uh, no two people have the same fingerprint. And I always knew that uh, no two people had, you know, the same, what is it, the iris of the eye, so you can do some eye detection and they can kind of figure you out so you can get your ID. But then I read the other day, and I don't know if this is true, but it seems right, that they said that there are no two people in the world, uh, Dallas, that have the same heart rhythms. I didn't know that. And I don't know if that's true. You all can do some research on that and find out. But that would make sense on once why some of us have a little bit more rhythm than the others. <laughs> I saw it today and that's side by side. Yeah, it makes some sense. But, 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 but isn't that wonderful how God, how could he do that? There's so, even the heart is, is, is different. The heart rhythms are different. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm grateful for this variety. I'm grateful for this diversity. And sometimes what happens um, in our attempts, sometimes what happens in our attempts to kind of get along with all of the different cultures, we will use a phrase like, we're really just all the same. And it says, now it sounds good on its surface because it's like, okay, that kind of takes away some of the tension about being different some of the tension of eating maybe differently, some of the tension in worshiping differently, some of the tension in maybe how we dress our, our conversation, our back. So we're really just all the same. And the truth of the matter is we're not. Praise the Lord. Good thing there's not a million Mark Woodsons just like me. The variety that God gives us, we are not. And sometimes we seek to minimize those differences. And so when you're, you're, when you're in the United States of America, there's this concept that, that, well, you know, America is a melting pot. So we just try to make everybody the same. I don't want everybody to be the same. I like the variety. And that's the beauty of being a part of the family of God, is the variety. And so I want to, to challenge you to recognize that our differences are not just to be uh, tolerated, 
But I want to just kind of do something a little counterintuitive, uh, and that's what this whole sense of diversity is about, and the whole sense of, of, of celebrating different cultures is about. It's not just about toleration, it's about celebration. That we celebrate each other. When I was on the uh, campus at uh, La Sierra uh, back, back in the day, uh, February would come around and the black, uh, um, the BSA Black Student Association would do a number of things and to have celebration and, and, and in, in the chapel it was time to have Black History Month and boy there was so much tension on the campus and I remember someone wrote an article and said why do we have to have Black History, why do we have to celebrate this and there was all of this tension and, and, and then always the question would come, well, if we're gonna have black history, why don't we just uh, uh, celebrate Hispanic history? And why don't we just celebrate Asian history? And why don't we just, and I was like, good! Let's do that! Because I think there's something that we miss out when we seek not to understand. When we seek to put our heads in the sand, we miss out on the beauty of the variety and we miss out how God's grace is demonstrated in the lives of culture, in, in, in certain cultures, how God's grace is demonstrated in, in, in the different experiences, the different ways that people have come to this country, the different ways that, that people have, have made it in this country. We miss that rich history because I like to believe that history is his story. It is God's story, it's God's story of how no matter what happens, he is able to bless and bring his people through. That is a wonderful story to be told. It is the, it is the goodness of God's grace that shows up in our culture, it shows up in our ethnic groups, it, it shows up in our family and, and, and we can embrace that and it makes us richer people as a result of it and so through though different I want to suggest and I want to challenge you today to recognize that you and I, we must be, we must be ambassadors and witnesses of the grace of God in our culture. I remember being on uh, campus uh, listening to the poet and writer, um, and she's like a renaissance woman, Maya Angelou. And she said to a group of students that day, she said, every one of you in this place, regardless of your background, regardless of your culture, you have been bought and paid for. I was like, wow, my Angelou speaks that way. She said, you have been bought and paid for. And she started going through the histories of every ethnic group and how, and how there was somebody along the path who paid a price so that they could be where they are. For some of you in this place today, the story doesn't have to go that far back. That you are here today because somebody, you stand on the shoulders of whether it's a praying grandmother, self-sacrificing grandfather, you stand on the shoulders of, of parents who may not have ever even achieved the same educational level that you're about to achieve, but they worked an extra job so you can be here. That's your story. And you must be ambassadors of that story, of the goodness and the grace of God. You must be witnesses. You must share those stories of grace. In the uh, 1990s, 
there was this, uh, this great move, um, and I don't know if this was just my experience, but I think it, it was within the African-American uh, uh, culture. There was this great emphasis on Afrocentrism. It was like this rebirth of, of, of getting back to our roots, and, 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 and we start wearing uh, kente cloth, and we start doing our hair a different way. We were really getting in touch with our roots, and, and I, got, I got real swept up in that. And, uh, and um, I remember that was around the time that the, uh, Spike Lee's Malcolm X came out. Oh, man. And I was an angry black man after that. <laughs> you know, don't let the suit fool you. You know, but, but, but we were real focused, you know, we were focused on this. And, and I remember, and I'll never forget it, there, there were, uh, boy, they were selling all kinds of things, and like I said, candy cloth. And there was this t-shirt, you probably remember, I don't know, because that was back in the 90s. And it said, it, it just simply had this phrase on it, it's a black fag. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> yeah, boy, we wore that probably, it's a black fag. You wouldn't understand. And in the black culture, in the black community, you know, we have our thing, you know, as Dillis was talking about. Uh, today. You wouldn't understand. And I realized looking back at that, that was the wrong approach. I realized looking back at that, that was not, that was not the best way. Because I believe that the best way is to share. I believe the best way is to seek understanding. I believe the fact that God put us here in so many different diverse roles, we can see the tapestry of his grace in our culture, and our experiences to be able to share together. And my prayer and my hope is that we would do that. For it is our job, it is our role to help others understand the way God's grace has displayed itself in our experience. We can do that this month. We can do that this month. That was actually the purpose for Black History Month. A number of people don't understand how it developed, but its very purpose was not just for one group to celebrate. Its very purpose uh, was to be able to share what was best in an experience and in a culture that was long misunderstood and even not celebrated, but denigrated. And we have that opportunity. We now live within, um, we now have the most diverse generation living together in the United States of America in its history. In its history. You no longer have to go to foreign lands to get to know different cultures. They've all come here. We have a diversity. We have an opportunity to get to see the, the beauty and the variety of God's grace displayed in his people. I want to suggest to you that not only were we created with this diversity, we were created with this variety, we were created, as Paul says, that we were created in Christ Jesus. Diverse, unique, valuable, priceless, we were created to do good things. We were created not only with the variety, we were created to do good things, we were created for a purpose. And each of us has a special role that we can play in that purpose. Whether it's reaching communities that we came from that are underserved. Whether it's being role models, whether it's being mentors of, of students that, that may look like us, that may need to see 
a path out. We have, we have that wonderful blessing, that wonderful opportunity to seek understanding and to be understood. Let us spend that time to be able to do that, to thank God for the blessings of his rich variety, and thank him for what he has done. For you can, your difference can make a difference. Your difference can make a difference. Story is told of a 10-year-old boy. He had lost his uh, left arm in a, a devastating car accident. And he decided to not let that stop him. So he decided, he told his mom, he said, I want to I uh, be a judo expert. And she just thought, well, you kind of need two arms for that. But he said, no, no, mom, I, I want to I be a judo uh, expert. And uh, so sure enough, he found a way to, to get some lessons. And, and he took lessons with an old judo master who was his sensei, his teacher. And the boy was actually doing well with, with his one arm. Um, in fact, he was doing so well, he couldn't understand that while after uh, three months of, of training, he had still only uh, mastered just one move. And he couldn't understand why he was just learning that one move. And so he comes to the sensei, and he says, uh, Sensei, uh, um, 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 I've been here for a while now. I've been here for three months, and yet uh, you've... You've just uh, taught me one move. Shouldn't I be learning a few more moves? And the sensei said to him, no. This is the only move you will ever need to know. This is the only move you know, and it's the only one you will ever need to know. Well, the little boy at 10 years old was a little bit disappointed by that. He was ready to progress a little bit. And so several months later, the boy was finally entered into his first tournament and he won his first three matches easily with that one move. And he went to the finals. Couldn't believe he had gotten this far. Just one move. His opponent in the finals was a bigger guy. He was stronger. It was obviously a mismatch. He was more experienced. And he appeared overmatched. And even halfway through the bout, through the tournament, through that particular match, the referee was almost ready to stop it because of the differential in size. And he said, no, since I said, no, let him continue. Let him continue. And then the stronger opponent became impatient with his back and forth. And he impatiently made a critical mistake. And the boy used his one move, his one move, and he won the match. On the drive home, it was quiet in the car. And he says finally to the sensei, Sensei, I, I don't know how I was able to do this. I mean, you've only taught me one move. How did I, how was I able to get this far? He said, finally, Sensei said, two reasons. One, you've mastered one of the most difficult moves in all of judo. And the second reason is the only known defense for that move is for your opponent to grab your left arm. <laughs> your difference can make a difference. 
Let's pray. Our Father and our God, thank you for being our creator, for making us into your image, into your likeness, to be a reflection of your glory, to be a reflection of your grace. May we continue to live our lives in such a way that we will continue to give praise and glory and honor to your name. May we seek to understand and may we seek to be understood that we may make a difference even in our differences. In the worthy name of Christ, 